Good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star for this third week in the series we're calling The Way. And we've been looking at John 14. We're going to look a little deeper at it today, where Jesus is spending really his last night on earth with his disciples before he went to the cross. And man, packed in this little conversation that they were having that night is a ton of stuff that you and I need to know. So go ahead and get ahead of the curve a little bit. John 14, if you got your Bibles or a mobile device you want to turn to it on, that's great. We'll also have it on the screens. You were given a little worship guide on the way in. That will be our guide to help us track the same direction, make sure we're staying on task and on topic. And I know that will help us a ton. Well, you're probably like me. You've been watching the news over the past few days when the hurricane hit shore there in Texas. And now, man, it's moved up and really settled in that Houston area. I know when I had left this morning to get here, over five now have lost their life. How many of you have friends and family in the Houston area, in that Texas area that are affected? Wow, tons of you guys. And so, I mean, I know you're like me, you're paying attention to your phone and trying to stay in touch with everybody. I've got a really good friend from North Star, has been a part of North Star for years. This is general manager, one of the large hotels down there in downtown Houston. Man, they're getting battered and they're saying that storm settled in till Tuesday. And, uh, man, we just want to pray for them and pray for those churches that are mobilizing on the ground. So would y'all join me in a word of prayer? Father, we, we uh, man, we, we pause today because, man, our hearts go out to our friends and our family that are being so affected by the storm. And, God, I know many of them, their, their homes are ruined, and, and many of them have lost their homes um, and businesses, and, and it's just calamity. But God, I pray in the midst of that, in the midst of that craziness, in the midst of that turmoil that they're experiencing, that there would be an overwhelming peace that they would have. That God, that peace only you can give. God, I pray for our friends that are on the ground there, churches and and other groups that are running in and, and rolling into Texas right now to provide relief. God, I pray for uh, that they'll have what they need to meet the needs that are there. And so God, just be with these families be with these friends and God would you protect them would you watch over them and God would you be with them in a special way and God we commit them to you we pray this now in Jesus name amen make sure and keep them in your prayers over the next few days let me catch you up on where we are Jesus begins this night that we're talking about in the story. Remember, it's one, we've got them broken up by chapters, but it's really one continuous story that, that John is recording what happened. Jesus begins this night by telling these disciples that one of them was going to betray him. We know that that ended up being Judas. They didn't know who it was, but it ended up being Judas, who was the treasurer of the group. Then he looks at his disciples and he tells them that he's going to break his body. He's going to shed his blood. He is going to die. They freak out a little bit, beginning of John 14. And Jesus looks at him and says, guys, don't be, don't let your hearts be troubled. I, I got you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. That was week one. I'm going to, if I go to prepare a place, I'm going to come get you. We, that was all week one. Talked about I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Which the people, Christians during that time, were known as people of the way. That's who, You weren't referred to as a Christian. You were known as a person of the way, that you followed Jesus. That's how you were known. And then last week, he carried on that conversation, and he began to tell them, what now they're going to need for this journey and the tools that they'll have. So if you missed last week, you can go back and catch up. 
Today, we're going to dive a little deeper into the end of this conversation. To set the mood of the conversation, here Jesus is, knowing that in totality, for these 11 that are left, there's not going to be another time they're going to be with him. He is giving them the final marching orders. He spent three years preparing them. Now they're about to walk into this battle and walk into this into the storm in all reality. And he wants them prepared for what they're going to experience and they're going to hear and they're going to face and they're going to go through. And it really is like a group of players getting ready to leave the locker room. Except this is a lot bigger scenario than a game. John 14, let's start reading in verse number 16. If at any point I say something you're not reading, just look up and we're just trying to explain it because I want us to get it, all right? That's what my goal is. Jesus, remember, continues the conversation and he said, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Basically what Jesus is saying, God's gonna give you one just like me. And, And listen, they're freaking out. These guys are freaking out that Jesus isn't going to be with them anymore. But just like, don't be alarmed. There's going to be one that's going to come be with you just like I've been with you. Now, the difference was Jesus was one man, 100% God, 100% man, with 11 gods. He's saying God's going to give you somebody, and he's going to be with you all the time. So he's going to be like me. He's the counselor. To be with you, what's this word? Forever. Not just here on earth. This Holy Spirit is going to live with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be, help me out, where? So that day that you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, a transaction happens. And what ends up happening is God the Father who sent his Son that you believe in sends his Holy Spirit. That's why we call it the triune God. It's the only religion in the world that said we have a Godhead that has three persons. We're going to talk about it, what that means. But that Holy Spirit, he takes up residence in your life. That's why... A person can get saved in Ackworth, Kennesaw, Georgia this morning, but a person in, we just had a, a buddy of mine in Clifton Park, New York, up near Albany, Pastors North Star Church up there, and a person can be getting saved there, and that Holy Spirit, he's everywhere, and he's going to be with you forever, and he is going to live in you. Look at what he goes on to say. I won't leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. So, so remember, this, this is interesting. We think the disciples, I always think of the disciples, they're these old guys. They were, most of them were teenagers, 14 to 19 years old. Simon Peter was most likely in his early 20s. The rest of the guys were on their own. They had all left their families. They had all left all that they knew to put in and follow after Jesus. Jesus looks at them and says, guys, I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan, meaning you neither have a mom or a dad. I, I got you. I'm going to take care of you. You're not going to be on your own. How many of you parents have left your child off at college? Raise your hand where you've dropped a child at college. All right, a lot of college students are in here. You don't know the, the, the pain that your parents feel when they leave you. 
They feel it for a little while, then they're fine. But anyways, and so, but for a little while, they feel bad, right? Because I don't want to leave my daughter on her own. I remember last year, we're in Lynchburg. We're dropping my daughter off. She was a sophomore at Liberty. And we move her in her room and get her. I mean, and, and listen, when I moved in my room, it was just me. It was me and like a bag in my back. She's got, we got darn U-Haul going up there. But anyways, for a dorm room. And so we move in and move enough clothes to outfit the whole university. And so we move in and get her all set up and it's time to go. And we're like, oh, I hate this part. You know, because we knew it was going to be a couple months. It's eight hours from here. So until we saw her and we hug her and she hugs us. She's like, Dad, don't cry. She never says, Mom, don't cry. She's like, Dad, don't cry. Ann's the man. I'm the woman. All right. And so she said, Dad, don't cry. Okay. All right. And I hug her. I get out to the car and we're backed in a parking spot right from her dorm. And I'm sitting there in my car. And I, and I mean, I got big old tears coming down. Anna's consoling me. This is awful. She's patting my leg. It's going to be okay. I'm like, I know. It's so far, though. I hate leaving her up here. She's going to be in her room. She's crying. She's going to miss us. And about that time, Anne goes, look. And she is running to her Jeep to go off and see friends. That's rude. If you're a college student, don't do that to your parents. I was like, daggone, I'm going to send her no money. All right. And so, but anyway, so the picture Jesus is painting is, I'm not going to leave you off by yourself. I'm not leaving you as an orphan. I'm going to come to you before long, meaning this little phrase, yet in a little while, the world won't see me anymore. This is on a Thursday. On Friday at 3 o'clock, Jesus is going to die on that cross. From Friday to Sunday, the world saw him no more. In a little while, the world won't see any more and more, but you're going to see me. We know that on that Sunday afternoon, that post-resurrection, Jesus came and visited with his disciples. Look at what he says. Because I live, you'll also live. On that day, you'll realize that I'm in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. It's a really interesting thing going on here. He's talking about God the Father. He's in me, and I'm in you, so you've got the Father in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one that loves me. He who loves will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not, and I love how John says this, then Judas not bad Judas, good Judas, right? Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, not him, all right? Then Judas, only mentioned in Luke and Acts, only mentioned twice, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and he will come to him and make her home with him. And I'm gonna explain what that means in a few minutes. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. So somebody who doesn't love me, they're going to do their own thing. You won't obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All of this I have spoken while I'm still with you. Guys, I'm still with you. Not going to be much longer, but I'm still with you. Verse 26, this introduces today. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. All right, time out. He said this to the 11, but he also said it to you. This hasn't changed. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father sends in my name, he'll teach you all things. He'll remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I live with you, leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give you as the world gives, don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Time out. He knew they were going to be afraid. 
He knew they were going to be terrified. He knew they weren't going to know what was going on. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. Guys, I'm preparing you. Friday's going to stink. Saturday's going to be awful. You're going to question everything you've learned. You're going to wonder about everything you've been taught. Guys, it's coming. I'm telling you, I'm preparing you. I will not speak with you much longer for the prince of this world is coming. What's he talking about? Well, he's talking about the enemy. On Friday, when Jesus was taken off that cross, it looked like the enemy had won and God had lost. That's what it looked like. The prince of this world's coming. He has no hold on me. Don't worry. It's all good. But the world must learn that I love the Father and I do exactly what the Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. And when they left, it was on. They walk out of that room. They head down the mountain to a little garden called Gethsemane where Jesus is sweating drops of blood and asks three of the guys to go pray with him. Do you know what the guys did while Jesus asked them to pray? They took a nap. Right, that's what, those are great friends. All right, they took a nap. I need you to pray with me. It's not really all well. And they're snoring down at the front. That's what was going on that night. They didn't get the ramifications of everything that was happening. Who in the world is this Holy Spirit that he's introducing them to? All right, time out. Let's, let's step out of the story and let's do this. If I went around the room right now and I asked this question, I would get a bazillion different answers because we've all got incredibly different backgrounds. And I, I want to show you. So here in Compass, True North, Patio, all of you watching online, I think right now we have six venues going on campus right now. Kids are in worship, students are in worship, but we have three rooms where adults are in worship and then the online. So wherever you're at, I want you to pull in with me real quick. How many of you would say, growing up, I grew up Presbyterian? Raise your hand if you grew up Presbyterian. You stick your hand high. Be proud. Don't be embarrassed. All right. You grew up Presbyterian. How many of you grew up Methodist? All right. A lot of the Methodists in here. Y'all are getting out late for the Methodists. All right. And so, y'all, man, this is late for you guys. All right. You got the Methodists. How many of you grew up Lutheran? A few Lutherans? Good. I left Lutherans out first service and they came and found me. All right. And so, they're like, you left out the Lutherans. I'm sorry. All right. How many of you grew up charismatic? You grew up in a church of God, Pentecostal. A few of you guys, all right, good. How many of you grew up uh, Episcopalian? Did I already do that one? A few. How many of you grew up Catholic? Look around, look, keep your hand up. Look around, the Pope is gonna find you, all right? And so <laughs> he is gonna hunt you. Do, do your parents know you're here? All right, y'all are gonna be in big trouble. Big trouble for being out. That's awesome. How many of you grew up Baptist? Raise your hand. A lot of you guys. Good. You feel guilty right now. You're like, I, I'm here. I feel guilty. So we got all kinds of different backgrounds. How many of you say, I didn't even grow up in church at all? Raise your hand. If you say, I really didn't have a background. Good. A lot of you guys didn't have a background growing up. So let's just, let's just wipe the slate clean. Everything we've known. All right? Let's just take what Scripture says and walk through what Scripture says. And I think hopefully you'll leave here today and you hear God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and maybe have a better understanding. How many of you, when you hear about the Trinity or God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, it gets confusing? Raise your hand. 
If you don't raise your hand, you make me feel bad. I'm this pastor and speaker, all right? And I get confused going, I think I understand it. I think I don't. Let's, let's see if we can help it. Who is the Holy Spirit? Number one, not an impersonal influence. He's not impersonal. The Holy Spirit is extremely personal. We know Scripture teaches that he lives in you and he lives with you. It's extremely personal. It's not an impersonal influence that, that just sort of uh, is this... Um, Holy Ghost that, that wanders around you. It's not, it's not that at all. It's not an impersonal influence. Number two, he's not merely a wave of emotion. So it's not like the Holy Spirit's only there when the singing is really good on Sunday morning and we're like, wow, man. And, and I even, even hear people that say, man, the minute I walk into church, I start crying. I, I just start crying. That means the Holy Spirit was there. It, it's not just a wave of emotion. And we go through that. Man, there's times I'll sit and worship, and I don't want worship to end, right? I'm like, God, this is so good, or I'm somewhere, and somebody's speaking, and I don't want to, I don't want to, I can't get enough of it, right? But it's not a wave of emotion. Number three, he's a divine person. There is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Look at the way Jesus said it. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives within you. Jesus there used this masculine pronoun to describe this work that was going on within him and within, within his disciples. And let me tell you something. This is new news to them. These 11 planned on being with Jesus forever. When Jesus said, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, and man, they dropped the nets, those two, and started following, and all their little friends started following we did a series called Intersections where we talked about how they were all connected and, and they all started following. They thought they'd be with Jesus forever. They thought, man, I'm, I'm hitching my wagon to this guy, this new rabbi, this new teacher. I'm, I'm hanging in with this guy for the journey. And now he's going, no, I'm not going to be here anymore. But I'm going to send one that's going to help you do even greater works than I did. Man, this is, this is new business to them. Look at the next point. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit lived with believers at different times. If you go back to the Old Testament, you can read in the story of Noah where the Spirit was on Noah while he was building the ark. Now, I want you to think about this. At this point in history, it had never rained, ever. No rain, ever. It had never rained. Not it rained like two weeks ago. It had never rained. God tells Noah, I want you to build an ark. What do I build an ark for? I'm going to flood the earth with what? Rain. What's rain? All right, it's never rained. And Noah starts building the ark. He starts building the ark. Can you imagine being Noah's neighbor? All right, what are you doing? Building a boat. What for? Rain. What's rain? I don't know. Stop banging on the boat, right? And so we know that Noah, the Spirit of the Lord was with Noah. That's what he's referring to. If you go back to David, David, King David, and the Psalm said, don't let your spirit depart from me. I want you to write down a little thought, ready? In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the Spirit would influence the believer. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit lives inside the believer. Big difference. So the Spirit would come and the Spirit would go. That was what they're all referring to. And man, it's all, it's crazy. You start reading there like, oh my gosh, that's that story. I never saw that before. That's what he's talking about. The Spirit would influence the believer, but not live inside the believer. 
At the beginning of the church, the Holy Spirit began living in the believers permanently. So these people on the day of Pentecost, Simon Peter gets up and just says, hey, listen, Jesus Christ was the Son of God and he came and he died for your sins and you all have sins and I have sins and we can't do anything about them. And Jesus died on the cross on Friday and he got up on Sunday and then he looks at him and says, and many of you, you saw him. You saw him after he got up. Amen. 3,000 people go, I'm a follower of the way. And at that point, that spirit became, came down and began to live in them. And since that point, you and I, that day that we go yes to Jesus, that same Holy Spirit comes and resides in us. He comes and lives in us. At the age of 14, I made that decision. You may have made it last week or two years ago. But that means that Holy Spirit comes. Look at what he says. He lives with you and he'll be, what are these words? In you. Meaning he takes up residence with us. Well, what's the Spirit doing in me? What's he doing? A couple things. Number one, he's empowering me to fulfill God's purposes. He's empowering me to fulfill God's purposes. In the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name or on my behalf, he takes up residence in you. He empowers you to fulfill God's purposes. Everybody look at me. God's purposes for you are bigger than your purposes for you. And you can't do them without a power greater than you living in you. You can't. Because we all have flaws. We all have frailties. We all have things we're not good at. We have things we're not proud of. And only the Holy Spirit working through us can help us live out the life God created us to live. How many of you watch the news and go, our world needs Jesus more than it's ever needed it before. Raise your hand. Well, how does that happen? The Holy Spirit lives through you. And you're in all those places Jesus is needed. So basically, here's the point. God left you to be Jesus for somebody else. And you can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit working within you. Does that make sense to everybody? Does that make sense? It's, it's impossible to fulfill the purposes of God. But look at the second part. He reminds you of the truth. He reminds you of the truth. The Holy Spirit's that part of you that when you begin to live this out, he's that little voice. That's not, no, 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 no. You used to be that way. You're not that way anymore. You may be a college student. You came to Wave for the first time the other night, and Jordan started talking. You're like, man, all this is new to me, and, and you've begun that walk with Christ, and now what you used to do is not what you do now because that, that ever-present help is inside you to walk with you. Or sometimes it's to encourage us of what to do, and not only what not to, but what to do. That's the Holy Spirit. He reminds us of the truth, or maybe it's a verse and you're fixing to walk through something, and man, all of a sudden this verse you heard at church or you read in your quiet time comes up, man, it's the Holy Spirit working within you who reminds you of the truth. And here, let me say this, though. Time out. He will never encourage you to do something that's contrary to Scripture. So when we are walking in that spirit that Scripture talks about, and Simon, or uh, the Apostle Paul talks about, 
God's never going to lead you to do something that's contrary to what's in this book. Right? So if he leads and guides you to do something, it's, it's going to fall in line with this. But here's the other thing he does for us. He calms us in the storms. He calms us in the storms. And you're going to have storms. They're inevitable. They're part of life. They don't go away. The more you walk with Jesus, you would think, well, then the storms will become less. And that's just not true. Had a good friend that was in our last service this morning that a storm entered his world last week, buddy. And it blew in quick and there was no, there was no uh, advance warning. He calms us in the storms of life. How many of you would say in the past six months you've walked through a storm in your journey? Raise your hand. I have too. We, we, we've walked them together. He calms us in the storms. Look at what Jesus said. This is really good. All right? Peace, I leave with you. So let's pause there real quick. Peace. So like world peace, I leave you? No. Internal peace. So the opposite of peace is anxiousness. If you've ever felt anxious, it means your stomach's churning and you, you, uh, you got butterflies, you're all nervous. The opposite of that is peace. Peace means that I'm good. Things are bad, I'm good. Listen to what Jesus said. This is what he said to his disciples. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. So what's the difference between his peace and the world's peace? Mary, he said, I don't give to you as the world gives. Here's when the world gives peace. The world gives peace when everything around you is good, you're good. And there, that's a time of peace in the world. Things are right in life. Things are good in life. You got a promotion. The kids are happy. You got a boyfriend. You got a girlfriend. The marriage is going great. Those, those are all things. Your, your favorite team wins on Saturday. That brings us peace, right? That's world's peace. What's God's peace? God's peace. So, all right, maybe this will help. So when Jesus was looking at what he was going through, did he only see what he was going through or could he see everything? Which one? He had everything, right? He's been with the Father since the beginning. Why did Jesus have a peace that all was okay? Because he knew no matter the circumstance, God had everything under control. Listen to what he said. And my peace, God's got you. That's what you can have. Now I'll take that all day long. My peace I give you. There are some of you sitting out here this morning that you've walked through the worst days of your life. And people look at you and say, how do you make it? How did you make it? And you go, I have no idea. I just know in the midst of that storm, God had me. And I made it. That's what he said the Holy Spirit does for us. He's that peace within us. But here's the other thing. He encourages me when I fear. He encourages me when I fear. He knew the disciples were going to struggle. 
He knew they were going to enter stormy waters. He knew that things weren't going to be good. He knew that they were going to doubt. He knew that they were going to fall short. He knew. He had already told Simon Peter he was going to deny him. He knew all that. But yet that Holy Spirit that lives within us, he encourages us when we fear. And we will all fear. We will all have fears. We will all have the what-if moments of going, man, God, are you really there? I love what he said to the disciples. Do not be afraid. I got you. I got you. You know, I wish I could tell you that um, because I know this to be true, that I don't have fears. I got fears just like you do. Fears for my kids. I got a 23-year-old and a 20-year-old. I got fears from Ann and I. You know, I got this big number, this five zero staring me in the face that I'm pushing back from as hard as I can, and it's coming, it's coming quick, right? And you're like, God, I never dreamed I would be 50. I'm not yet, but I never dreamed I'd even be close to it, right? Never dreamed that. Hey, you have fears that come with that. Jesus looks at his disciples and said, listen, don't be afraid. Friday night, I was speaking to a local high school football team, and we were talking about the story of Gideon, and Gideon was this, this guy who was down in a, a wine press. It was hiding below ground, threshing wheat, hiding out, didn't want to fight the, 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 the armies that were coming in, and, and the angel of the Lord came to Gideon. He looked at him, and he said, oh, Gideon, oh, you valiant warrior. Well, Gideon wasn't a valiant warrior. He was actually hiding out. What was God saying? Here's what he was saying. Gideon, I see something in you you don't see. Hang on, you'll make it. I'm going to use you. And we got a choice. Do I believe what God thinks about me or do I believe what I think about me? I don't feel like a valiant warrior. You probably don't either. When we face those fears, we don't have to be afraid, but the Holy Spirit also prompts me to obey. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. You know, and there's, there's times in our journey that we don't walk with the Lord. And I think if we went around our room and said, have you always walked with the Lord? You'd probably go, well, I, I did, and then I got away from it, and I came back to it. We can have a relationship and lose the fellowship. But we know this, when the, the Spirit is working through our lives, we will walk, we will obey his teaching. It changes how we talk. It changes how we live. It changes what's important to us. It changes the things that matter. Final thing. Final statement I want you to remember today. I'm as close to God as I want to be. I'm as close to God as I want to be. You've got as much Jesus today as you choose to have. Some of you, Sundays is fine. Sunday Jesus is fine. But here's what I'm going to tell you. If that's all you want, you'll be out by Tuesday every week. <clears throat> so my goal on Sundays is just to be, just sort of share where we are. I want this to be the best hour of your week. And we typically have you out right at an hour. I want it to be the best hour of your week. When we open God's word, I want to get done and y'all go, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're already done. Uh, is the time already up? 
I don't want you hitting your watch going, I think my watch broke. All right, we're in here forever. I don't want that to happen. I want you to enjoy it. But here's what I know. It's only going to give you so much. That digging deeper we talked about earlier, that's a big deal because it helps you with a daily time with the Lord. Remember, you don't have a daily time with the Lord, so he loves you more. You have a daily time with the Lord, so you learn to love him more. And you begin to see God. It's amazing how much you see God working around you when you connect with him every day. And all of a sudden, every conversation, you're like, God, I think that was a conversation the Lord meant for me to have. I meant to run into that person. You, you see things differently. You have as much Jesus as you choose to have. It's a choice. So if I'm on my own for it, I'll get my own. But if I've got a group around me, a small group, a discipleship group, other people I'm on the journey with, I'm telling you, it'll be amazing how much more Jesus I learned. Here's what I know. Everybody look at me. He came so you never had to be alone, ever. That day that you asked Christ into your heart, he took up residence in you, and he is not going to leave you, nor is he ever going to forsake you. And he will pull at you. He will tug at you. And some of men, we, I remember sitting in a room the day I accepted Christ, and it was like I could feel a pull on me. And that was the Holy Spirit drawing me. You, you felt it. You've, we've all been there. But even when we're in that relationship, sometimes he's, he's pulling back. Why? To, to, uh, to yell at us? No, because God has so much more for us than we're settling for. God didn't bring you here by accident this morning. God didn't let you show up here because it was just somewhere else to be. The question is, what's all this mean to you? And that's something only you can answer. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. And God, it's, uh, this is a life-changing deal because if we learn what it means of what you want to do in us and through us, it can, it can open the doors to our purpose we were created for. But it all begins with that relationship. It all begins with that pursuit where you're pursuing us. And finally we go, God, you got me. I'm, I'm, I'm yours. So maybe you're here this morning in one of our venues. And you go, man, Mike, I, I, I don't know Jesus, but I want to. Can I lead you in a prayer to meet him? Could I? It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus. Would you pray that? Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe you live for me. Would you pray that? I believe you died for me, and I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior. Scripture says when we cry out to the Lord, we are saved. If you're here in one of our rooms this morning, you said, my mic, for the very first time I asked Jesus in my heart today, would you just slip your hand up and hold it up for a second? Just slip it up and hold it up for just a second so our team can bring you a little gift. Just hold it up just for a second. They're going to bring you a little gift to let you know how proud we are of you. Inside of that gift is a little card, and that card tells us that you've accepted Christ. Maybe you're here today and you said, Mike, man, I haven't been walking with the Lord, but... 
but I don't want that to be my story. Like I want to live out God's purpose for me. Would you take a second and reconnect with the Lord? Father, thanks for doing what you did for us. And God, may we never, ever get over your love for us. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Would you all join me? Let's thank the Lord for our time together this morning.